Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. We're just looking at this photo of my Graham Capone. Who do you think that is beside her? Is that Tristan Voss? Equahalia, memories and ideas and like abstract concepts are, are just as real as like reality, like matter and energy. It's all the same. There's no distinction. So I think if you were to bring that photo there, you'd, you'd be able to see what was really going on, probably. Blake, I'm sorry. I just, I thought that if we kept close to my, we could find out more about what they were doing. And I just, I don't know. Thank you for telling me. I, I think we can use our relationship with Miper to, to help you get the answers you're looking for. I, I figured that the last sort of vision we were seeing was Quahalia interacting with Elliot's bag because she has it with her, but you know, Lake, you certainly don't have a pool in your pocket, do you? No, but I, I maybe the logic binders, you know, like we felt them calibrate and maybe it's it how it binds the logic is showing us something we're familiar with. Elliot, are you okay? That just felt uh, really personal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I guess if anyone was going to see it, it makes sense that it was all of you. And as you kind of look out, uh, your eyes fall down to the arena in front of you where you, you do see your friends here. They're all made of glass as well. Uh, Nick, that this is you, right? Like the, You're not like some sort of trick or something? Oh, well, I, I think I'm me. And he looks at his hands and goes, except I'm see-through. And you see the shadow begin to form and out of the glow steps your old power armor and with a with a flick of its wrist that long jagged mining spike pops out and it brandishes at you menacingly and begins running straight towards you and welcome to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin, and uh, I, with me here are five of my best and funniest friends, and they're going to introduce themselves to you now. Uh, we left things in kind of a in kind of a dreamscape last time, and I want to hear your character's wildest dream. Uh, like not not their heart's desire, but like what's <laughs> what's the weirdest dream they've had? Uh, and just so we have an order, let's say uh, in ascending order of weirdness. <laughs> My name is Michael Vetch, and I am here playing Nick Lowe. He is the Smarts Playbook, and he's a he's a sword wielding anime loving adventury boy. And uh, <laughs> I think Nick has a recurring dream where it's like Doctor Mario, but it's he's Doctor Mario, and it's, that's just a whole dream is playing Doctor Mario. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> I think that's weird, but not too also, weird. The soundtrack for that dream slaps. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, it alternates. Sometimes it's chill. Sometimes it's. V. There you go, yeah. Uh, I, I think Chester has the one that's a step up from this. Uh, I am David Ray. I play Chester Capone, who is the Grip Playbook, and he has power armor. And uh, I think uh, Chester's dream is this one. Just imagine like a forest, okay? You see all these trees. And in the distance, like he's he looks small, but he's so far in the distance, is a guy with an axe. And he's chopping down a tree. And then the tree falls over. And then uh, that's the end of the dream. And it just freaks him out because that was the first time he ever had a dream. And he didn't know what it was. And it freaked him out a lot. <laughs> I, I would also like to point out that was my first dream I ever had. And I'm just saying it's the same dream for him. And it did freak there me out. There you go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Spooky. 
Hey, I'm Liam. I play Lake Marsden. She wields the reality cannon. Uh, half of her body is glitched out uh, due to that uh, reality cannon backfiring uh, so, so long ago. Uh, and I think she she has the, the dream of, like, naked in school. Um, but weirdly, it, since the glitch, it's just like people gawk at the glitch, not the fact that she's naked. It's just that you can see more glitch now. Oh, dang. <laughs> and it makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> like... <laughs> Whoa, it goes right through your belly button. Ah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Lena, and I play Angus Franklin. Uh, he's the Guts playbook with the skip mode runners. He's a little uh, troublemaker. Um, in, in our adventures, Angus um, has had a lot of damage happen to his arm. Uh, it's been reality scrambled. It's been bitten by spider plants. Uh, uh, so I think lately he's had this dream where it's a different person every time, but it's always someone he knows that grabs his arm and just yanks it out of the socket from the shoulder. Ooh. And his response to it is always like, can you stop? This is just a dream. And then he wakes up. <laughs> Oh, man, really painted me into a corner here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Glenna. I play Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. She uses the Voidware backpack. Uh, she's an aspiring singer-songwriter, and she has a guitar. And I think, um, I don't know if we've established whether or not she has her driver's license yet. Or she wouldn't have her driver's license, but her learner's permit. Um, mm -hmm. But I think she has a lot of dreams where she is behind the wheel of a car, and doesn't know what to do, and it and the brakes don't work, and she just has to s somehow navigate it through traffic, and it always works out, but it is the most stressful thing. Uh, and sometimes she <laughs> like magically poofs to the back seat, and it's still going, and she's the only one in the car, and she has to figure out how to drive it. <laughs> oh, that's so stressful, even just to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as I said, uh, my name is Robin. I'm your host. I'm your slug master, game blaster, and uh, the weirdest dream I ever had was uh, chasing a. I, I was chasing a pig around my high school, and then when I finally caught it and picked it up, it had Vern Troyer's face, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the actor who played Mini Me in the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> That's a real thing. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show. It's back. We're back. Last time around. Uh, Y'all went to Quahalia in search of answers about a uh, picture that Chester had found of his grandma palling around with a young Tristan Voss. And uh, yeah, in hopes of sort of uh, finding out more due to Graham Capone being very tight-lipped about the situation. Uh, because Quahalia is the dimension where reality and ideas and dreams and memories are all kind of one and the same. Uh, once you got there, you were... Uh, navigating mindscapes that seem to be inspired by your own uh, inner inner lives and fighting uh, monsters and phenomena uh, that were rooted in your own psyche uh, while also seeing little snippets of your own pasts. And I think it's time that we jump right back into it because we left it at a, at a perilous point. So are y'all ready to play some Slug Blaster? Yeah! Yes, yeah, sir! <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I transport you now back to the plane of Quahalia. Alright, so you have all found yourselves in this arena that uh, is, is a replica of, of Knacker's Row, the fight pit on, uh, on Operablum, where you found your friend Chester uh, battling for, for money. Only everything here 
including four out of five of you, is comprised entirely of translucent glass. Um, Chester is the only one who still seems to be in his regular, you know, human fleshy form. Um, and out from the far side of the arena where that same faint glow that has drawn you forward through all the other mindscapes, uh, that, that same glow is present in sort of the challenger's gate. Uh, but walking out from it is an oversized, uh, version of Chester's old power armor that he found and salvaged from Vestige oh so long ago. Uh, with its mining spike out, uh, advancing towards you threateningly. What do you do? Uh, well, as Chester, like, looks and sees that his friends are all made out of glass, uh, he's like, oh no! Uh, and he goes into his, uh, gauntlet there, and he starts typing in, like, uh, getting, uh, the force field generator up and going, and he's, uh, hopefully trying to madly get it together, um, cause he realizes if this is his armor, the worst possible item to, t- uh, to fight glass with is on the armor. And that's a bunch of softballs. That's going to break glass real easy. <laughs> I like that Robin painted the mining spike and you're like, oh no, the softballs. That can, that can <laughs> no, get shit raised. That's perfect. And he's just like, uh, okay, uh, get back. I, I, I'll handle this. You're all made out of glass. I don't know why. But I got it. Don't worry. And he uh, Snake. starts. Snake. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we're all familiar with it now, but give us a recap of that ability one more time, just in case. If there is any Become question a about. reptile. <laughs> yeah. I'm not made of glass anymore. I have scales and I'm cold blooded. Uh, no, <laughs> right, I if forgot you were a druid. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, if there's any question about who goes first, it's you. Um, I think as Chester is like, uh, going into the, the computer pad on his forearm and saying, everybody get back. Angus just walks forward, pulls out his uh, ray gun, and I want to grappling hook the uh, arm of the powered armor that has the mining spike and basically pull it taut and bind the arm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's get a roll for that. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to add a die and a kick from my guts. I am trying to look cool, which invokes mm-hmm. my brand new ability, Show Off. You get plus 1d6 when you try to look cool. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, good thing we're close to the end of a season because that ability would be <laughs> very overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, 3d6 one kick. I rolled three fours. <laughs> oh, boy. Damn. As Angus, uh, as Angus do, uh, he, he just like brazenly walks out into the, like not too close to the armor, right? He's aware that there is danger here. Um, but yeah, he... Fires, I think he fires one-handed, and then hopefully as the grappling hook, uh, uh, or as like the hook part of it wraps around the arm, he then grips uh, his ray gun with the second hand, widens his stance, and pulls hard. Yeah, and I think you yank this thing, you, you successfully secure it and, and yank it, and the armor sort of follows through with this, uh, like it was advancing towards Chester, uh, but you've caught its attention and you've pulled it and rather than resisting or trying to uh, yank you back, it just sort of follows straight through. Um, mm. And this mining spike is coming directly towards you now uh, at alarming speed. Um, uh, Robin? Yeah? I-, I have an ability with my Rift Ninja Sneakers uh, reaction switch. Mark one boost to turn ghostly moments before slam and avoid it. If I were mm. to add a kick on that, could I apply it to myself and Angus? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, mark mark your boost. Uh, 
and and I picture it as the kind of thing where like you probably have to make contact with Angus and sort of like almost like you're you're tackling him out of the way of the of the you know sniper's gunfire or whatever, but mm-hmm. in doing so are also like applying this phase ability uh, to him as well as yourself. Yeah, almost tackle him into the blow, and then we kind of go through it almost. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, with that, I have to mark off my last boost die and uh, the last kick that I have on my device as well. Yeah, so you collide with Angus, you both turned intangible, and this this claw passes through you. I think you, you Angus turns intangible just at the split second where it counts um, that this thing, you know, just was almost making contact and then passes straight through unharmed, and you find yourselves on the other side of this armor. Um, so you've now got uh, the the two of you are on one side of it, two of you are on the other, and Chester's sort of dead in the middle, uh, facing this thing down. Oh, thank you. All good? Mm-hmm. Just like light passing through glass. <laughs> <sighs> Funny you mention that. Um, <laughs> when you say that we're made of glass, you mean like everything about us is made of glass? Like our clothes and our stuff? Uh, yes. So, if I may, I think mm-hmm. what Elliot is going to do is to take her... Uh, jacket that she always wears and hold it up so that it kind of forms a uh, convex surface bubbling out a little bit and her ray gun is a photon pistol. Photons are what make up light. When light passes through glass specifically convex glass it comes out in like a focused beam so what Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to do is to use the glass to uh, make my beam of light that I shoot uh, bigger and do more harm. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> taking a magnifying glass to the ant that is this giant power armor of death. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what I mean. I love it. it. Technically, it would be smaller, but do way more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, focused. Oh, yeah. More focused. Uh, let's get a roll for that for sure, but I love this offer. Cool. So, uh, yeah, Chill always rolls with two. I'm not really using my backpack. I'm using my jacket. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I will roll with two. That's a four. Makes success, yeah. Okay, uh, so I had established like two episodes before. The color of the photon blast is sort of like a uh, golden hour orange gold glow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just focuses through uh, the glass jacket, almost like the laser from from like James Bond. <laughs> like it gets really, really tight and focused and starts singeing things. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm trying to... I didn't say this before, and you can choose to honor this or not, but I think the intention here is to try and, like, plasma cutter a piece off the armor. Yeah, are you aiming for any specific area? Uh, maybe I'm trying to cut down that spike. I don't know, it's the softballs that seem pretty dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you're able to do exactly that, and this, this beam, as you described, is so tightly focused that it's, like, singeing along the ground... Uh, and you you angle it up, and it just sort of carves through that arm at kind of the, let's say just below the elbow, and, and the whole bottom chunk of the arm just goes clanging down to the ground. Now, Nick and Angus on the other side, had you had you remained intangible, or is that like a, a fleeting thing that you used to sort of dodge the hit and then came out corporeal on the other side? I think that one's like, like a, just a, a single moment kind of thing. Yeah, that was kind of what I was feeling like, too. So I think once you were out on the other side of it, you regained your your tangibility. Um, this arm falling 
yanks uh, on the line that is still wrapped around it, which yanks Angus, which maybe also yanks Nick. You can tell me, uh, depending on how you sort of (laughs) tackled him there. Um, And I think in the confusion and commotion, Elliot's beam from uh, her ray gun uh, carves through the arm. But in you guys getting yanked forward, you get yanked into the line of fire. Um, and I think Angus, you're going to take a slam from this. That you you are going to take a melted slam as melted this slam. Uh, beam grazes along one side of you and and superheats the glass you're made of to the point that it starts to sort of drip and run. Whoa. Okay. Um, I uh... I was going to offer up that I uh, turn on my force field generator, which I was already in the process of doing. I was going to say, yeah, you you planted that early, so absolutely. Uh, avoid a slam or protect a nearby teammate from a slam by marking one boost. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Sweet. You see Angus getting pulled forward and uh, and you like your, your brain just sort of... I feel like Chester isn't always the quickest thinker I, I feel like that's fair to say that like sometimes it takes him a little bit to puzzle stuff out but i think in the heat of the moment he gets a little bit of clarity and i think that that is exactly what happens here that you see angus being yanked you see this beam coming up and your brain just does the math and realizes that like these two things are going to intersect and you snap into action with that force field generator uh creating an impenetrable barrier between angus and the uh and the laser there um we'll say it's protecting angus and nick there uh that they are they are safe from this blast uh yeah mark your boost and angus i have cleared your slam nice (laughs) how did that force field look again what was yeah describe that to us please so this is uh one from this this new armor and uh right you you gotta kind of select uh the person and then it kind of like quickly sends out this quick little ray uh, tracks them down and then puts a, this like uh, translucent blue bubble around them and just like and so like the laser beam probably like deflects off the 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 shield temporarily as they pass through and um, yeah it, it uh, hits the convex surface of this force field uh, that is also reflective and it uh, sends this beam off into the stands, which, as we established last time, are also made of glass. So you see one section of the bleachers just begin to sort of melt and slide into itself in this, like, trippy sort of Salvador Dali-esque display. Uh, I was going to offer that it was kind of like he was trying to protect Angus and the others and all that kind of thing. It was just that all that time of him pulling up the menu... It just happened to be like, and the shield is up, and then it happened to time out just right to protect him. I'm like, oh, I love that. I think the the blue bubble around Angus and Nick also has, uh, like, it's a it's a one shade of blue of the bubble, and there's a slightly different shade of blue that, like, it's subtle um, of the the M shaped Miper logo on it, like it's a branded force field, <laughs> so that if it happened to be used in like a crisis situation, Miper would get some free publicity out of it. <laughs> Was Elliot able to to deal da- uh, with that spike? Yeah, it took off a whole arm or, or uh, yes. half an arm, I guess. <laughs> uh, then yeah, I think uh, I think Lake's just gonna take a blast at this thing. Um, Great, great job, Elliot. That that looks slick. I got out my light cannon of my own and just fires up the old reality prism. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, let's uh, let's get a roll for that. Uh, I think I'm gonna try to look cool because um, this is, you know, we were we were pretty mad at Chester for being in uh, Knacker's Row 
uh, in reality, but this is Quahalia weirdness. Doesn't count, so she feels pretty cool being in the center of a fighting pit. So uh, I'm looking cool. I'm using extra die. Away we go. Five was the highest. Five and a three. A lot of mixed successes this time around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she just you know her it takes two hands to wield her weapon. Uh, she she uh, you know lines it up. Kthunk fires the big uh, uh, glowing lob shot of, of sort of pinks and purples, blues and oranges uh, that all swirl together uh, in, in the reality canon. Uh, first time, too, with this new uh, Miper one, which is like, yeah, it, fi- it fires it smoother. I don't, know, I don't know how to like quantify it, but it's just like, um, maybe there's less kit. You know what it is? It's the same, it's the same like parabola of lob. It's mm-hmm. the same kind of um, colors and things. There's just less um, kickback. Like, there's less recoil. Oh, I love that, um, yeah. She's, like, she's all braced for it. She's like, ooh, ooh, this thing's smooth. Were you ooh, targeting targeting one part of the armor in particular? No. Um, uh, you know what? I'll go for a knee. Yeah, why not? I, I uh, like wasn't, but Liam knows that's a strategy. So, yeah, let's <laughs> go for the knees. <laughs> yeah, I think this, uh, this lob shot hits, impacts with the leg of this thing and sort of bursts outward in a destructive blast. And yeah, you see that sort of uh, the glitchy explosion ripple out and, and it uh, just shreds this thing's knee. I think it is still attached, but like clearly the like servos and mechanics of it have like disengaged or like are not connected the way they're supposed to be and this thing sort of crumples down. So it's now moving on one leg and dragging one behind it uh, somewhat futilely. Uh, but it is still huge and threatening, and I think uh, you guys have done enough damage here that it's starting to get a little more aggressive. So I think in in slamming down here, it takes its one remaining good arm uh, and sort of just raises it up in a high arc and brings mm-hmm. it coming slamming down, uh, not towards you, like, but towards Elliot. Um, and Elliot is, uh, is, is going to take a slam here of, uh, we're going to give you a shattered slam. Oh uh, my god. I don't know how to say, like, partially, like, um, that, like, this thing is not going to, you're not completely destroyed, but, but a part of you is. Um, <laughs> what do we call oh, that? Jeez. I think shattered works. Um, yeah. I think I want to nope that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think she has been uh, laser focused, haha, and uh, at the last second sees the the arm and just uh, rolls out of the way. I guess roll. Can, can I you roll when you're glass? Can I offer that like maybe you uh, you still got that laser beam firing because um, you like you sliced off the one arm and then it was coming towards Angus and Nick and then it bounced off them and hit the stands and you're just like trying to get a rein in and then in the t- in that time the arm is coming towards you and maybe you just like whip that beam around uh, and essentially like cut cut off its path there. Sure, yeah, that's cool. I don't think you mm-hmm. fully sever another arm but maybe you like it glances along and this thing uh, re- redirects uh, having already face down your laser once thinks better of trying to smash you and sort of slams its arm into the dirt uh, and maybe a big chunk is carved off the side. It's got like a, a glowing uh, smoking section of metal on one arm. Cool. So this armor is now uh, missing half of one arm, scathed on another, and is dragging one leg behind it. Uh, it's it's looking pretty rough, but it's also looking pretty aggressive. Um, and it's sort of swinging itself around. It doesn't have like a face, but it's swinging the sort of torso area where the person would go back and forth, sort of like 
tra- calibrating what target to go after. It's got, uh, you know, Lake and Elliot on one side with these uh, destructive beams that have, have damaged it. Uh, Nick and Angus on the other side are still protected by a force field. And I think it, it settles on Chester uh, as as surprisingly the least threatening uh, uh, target <laughs> at this particular moment. Chester, you know that armor better than anyone. How can we stop it? Uh, uh, you could pr- you could probably turn it off. There's like a release. There's a button that you can hit and that it turns it on and off. Well, where's the button located? Uh, and he has to do that thing where he like looks at his hands. Uh, L left. <laughs> it's uh, it's on the right side. I think as you're indicating this to Nick Chester, you like as it, this thing is lumbering towards you, and as it sort of swings its shoulders, you you see it there. Like you can you can clearly see it is exactly like your own power armor, right down to that button there. You you have a a clear line of sight there. Oh, maybe I can maybe I can do this. I'm going to uh, uh, try to like jump up and uh, try to tag the the button to see if it'll turn off. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Are you uh, are you using any specific ability here, or just kind of making a making a run and a jump for it? Like the armor helps you move a little quicker, anyways. I'm not going to do the full mobility boosters, I don't think, because of the fact that I don't have time to pull it up on my arm thing. So uh, I, I'm going to just like oh, try to go quickly and jump up, like kind of like relying on my own uh, ability to do it. Uh, I am going to try to look cool. Uh, as I do this. And I'll offer that you are using the armor to accomplish this, whether you're using a specific ability or not. So you you mm. have access to that boost pool as well. If you want to add a die or a kick, like you are you are absolutely making use of the armor's abilities here. So those are available to you should you want. Okay. Uh, well, I'm actually kind of running low on uh, die for <laughs> uh, the armor. So I'm, I, I'm actually going to go and rely a little bit more on my grit. I'm going to spend a yes. couple of uh, extra... Uh, no, no. I'm going to spend one. Mm-hmm. And I am going to go with uh, sacrifice your body. So that's uh, uh, 2d6 bonus on that. And... I'm getting in close to the the armor. It's going to be able to react and do something to me. Uh, So. Yeah, I think we'll find your slam once we find out how this roll goes. (laughs) That's a four. Okay, mixed success. Yes. Yeah, Chester, you launch yourself forward here. Um, I think much as you described, like you're, you are using the armor, but you you didn't have time to engage the boosters or the jets or, or any sort of cool new micro features that you may have access to. You're, you're mostly relying on your own grit here, as you said. Um, so you're, you're really just like trying to time it right. And as this thing lumbers towards you, I think you almost like you wait for it to lunge at you, which allows you to jump up and over it uh, and, and try to tag this as you go. I think you are able to do this. In the process, you're gonna take a slam from Sacrifice Your Body, which is that I think, you know, it lunges for you. You jump up and over it. It realizes what you're doing uh, because it's your armor and it knows your moves. Um, And it sort of redirects and flings around. So it's gonna toss you off into the stands. It's gonna basically like wallop you with one arm uh, and send you flying but you are able to slap that switch as you go and just barely catch it and power this thing down. Um, 
we're gonna give you a slam both from, because you get one from Sacrifice Your Body and another from this being a mixed success. Uh, so the armor <laughs> hitting you is gonna be a pummeled slam uh, and you flying into the stands and and uh, shattering them on impact uh, is gonna give you a, um, what's an eloquent way of saying, cut to shit. <laughs> Shredded. <laughs> Shredded, shredded is perfect. Yeah. That's that's very slug blaster. Pummeled and shredded. Unless you have anything to say about either of those. One of them you have to the pummeled you have to take, but the shredded you could note. Uh, no, I think I'm going to take them both, uh, and then I, I'm going to take the extra style from doing so. So I got three <laughs> style off of that move. Damn. Uh, what a Chester move. <laughs> <laughs> it's all being recorded on my uh, visor rig too. So uh, yes, oh, I love it. No. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good question, actually. Like, I, I want to play out the rest of the scene, but have you guys been like streaming any of this, or or the fact that you're trying to sort of keep this from Miper? Have you been keeping it a little more covert? Because I guess there's there's nothing saying that you you why you are in Quahalia. Uh, but you're also like reliving a lot of personal traumas and seeing everyone else's e each uh -huh. other's deep dark secrets. So I don't know how much is Weird Gravity streaming on this run. Angus often does. He's doing none here. Yeah. When we first showed up is when it started getting weird logicy. I don't think we've really had the time to think about the social media side of it. <laughs> yeah, we were we started off in Elliot's own backpack. We're not, you know, <laughs> coming to you live from Buchanan backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's the thing, uh, uh, Robin, yeah. I, I think he would probably broadly agree with that. The thing is, he didn't know on his heads up display, he didn't see the, like, the blinking red light. It's just been yeah, recording. Yeah. It, it has been streaming. He doesn't know that it's been streaming. Oh, Lordy. And, and uh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh I love that. I love that so much. Um, wow. <laughs> it's the classic, like... What does that red light mean? Oh, that means it's off. It's like people with camcorders in the 80s being like, I don't know if this is recording or not. R-E-C. Mm, that means no. <laughs> so Chester, you emerge from just a pile of, of glass shards uh, looking worse for wear, um, but you're, you're intact. You've survived this encounter. Uh, and you look down to the arena there where you see like you, you know, the, the force field disengages and you see Nick and Nick and Angus there safe and sound um, having, you know, retrieving the grappling hook as they had effectively uh, lassoed this thing early on in the fight. You see Elliot powering down the laser and, and Elliot's uh, or Lake holstering her reality cannon uh, and just kind of you get this moment as you emerge from the glass where you get to kind of see your team in their element all sort of stowing their weapons and dusting themselves off. And uh, you have this this sense of, of seeing uh, the crew back together for the first time in a while and everyone's sort of firing on all cylinders here, including you having having protected your friends and, and found the key to defeating this thing. I'm assuming that moment doesn't last long because your friends probably come rushing over to check on you. Yes. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Um, I think these are just a bunch of splinters. Um, oh, actually, this hurts you're a lot. Kind of. <laughs> you're bleeding from a lot of places. Oh boy. Yeah, it just kind of snuck through s s some of the plates there. Oh. 
Oh. And uh, he tries to, like... As he moves, it, like, causes some of the glass to try to, like, cut a little bit more. He's just like... Don't... Okay, dude, just don't move for a second, okay? Okay. Uh, Angus is going to tap his toe to slow things right down. And he's going to just, like, very gingerly pull out some of these glass shards from Chester's (laughs) skin. Yeah, you're able to get out the worst of it. I think, I like, Chester is still in his Miper Power Armor. And I think that's important to state that, like, yeah, he is part of what his armor does is is protect him from exactly this kind of thing. So I think, like, a lot of his vital areas are covered. He doesn't have, you know, glass shards sticking out of his jugular or anything. But, like, uh, in but his we've... armpits and, like, it's, it's in his joints. hips. Like, yeah, all the, all the bendy parts that it hurt to move now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you're able to, to pull out some of the bigger pieces and sort of uh, clean him up as best you can. Uh, it's not going to take away a slam, but it's going to make him feel a heck of a lot more comfortable in the meantime here. Thanks for that save out there, Chester. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was able to get the uh, defenses up in time. It, this, man, this, this armor, I don't know where all the weapon stuff is. I, was, I could have got in there quicker. Um, well, I'm just glad you're all safe. Chester, is this... Is this what you think of us? You think that we're delicate like glass? Um. <laughs> uh. Angus starts counting seconds on his fingers and he's like, well, that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, well, sort of, yeah. You, you know that we can all take care of ourselves, right? We, we just did. Yeah, pretty handily. And and we uh, did it by working together. Uh yeah, yeah, I know. Um I, I know you don't you don't need me to protect you. I'm very aware of that. But it's good good to have you around. I well I like being around too. I I'm not I don't think that you 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 need me to protect you. I I I'm more concerned that I'm going to do something that hurts you instead. Dude, Hmm. look who got hurt. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, Angus looks kind of uncomfortable and he's like, I mean, the path is clear. Uh, well, we should go. Um, We don't want you getting hurt either, Chester. Yeah, let's, uh... Let's maybe not make it so lopsided. Let's let's all look out for each other. That's what being a team is about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh. All right. Well, by process of elimination, I seems like wherever we go next will be related to either well, a- Angus or me. <laughs> I mean, that does sound like you know sound sound logic, but who knows what rules are in this place? Maybe the next one's gonna be about Camry or something. <laughs> well, based on what we've witnessed so far, I would say that the the dimension itself, Quahalia, is probably reading something into in, into our psyche and lo- looking at some of the un- underlying things with, it, with going on in the conscious level of our of our brains and reading sort of that and expanding that, bringing it forward from inside our cerebrums into something that's actually real and tangible to us in this dimension. I'm gonna use an alternate form of of my ability, Techno Babble. I here. thought so. Um, <laughs> 
Just for a fun, I don't usually do it for this fun side, uh, but once for Ryan, explain something extremely technical with fun jargon and get one style. I'm just going to grab a little style here if I can. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, With that, does the crew move into the light? Yeah, team, let's go. And like skates off. Nick keeps on muttering and mumbling things on and on, explaining as they walk into the light. (laughs) Um, I think right before we leave, Elliot kind of just like tenderly puts a hand on Chester's arm and like wipes a little bit of blood off of his uh, his elbow or something. Uh, thank, thank you. No problem. And with that, you step into the glow and you find yourselves once again, you're, you're sort of seeing this vision play out uh, in a first person perspective. And uh, so far we've seen, you know, uh, a childhood home and uh, uh, sort of a, a, a interdimensional adventure. This time, I, I it's, it's somewhere that none of you recognize immediately other than presumably the person whose memory this is. Um, it's like one of those uh, like a record Big store. cracked bell? Sorry. <laughs> Big cracked bell, baby. Um, it's like a record store, but like not a cool independent underground record store. It's like a mall record store, like a chain. Um, I don't know what the one in Philadelphia would be, because I only know that in Canada it'd be an HMV. Uh, yeah. Maybe it would in Philadelphia too. Um, but one, like it's a mall record store. Um, we don't need to. No one's paying us. They don't get any advertising. Um, it's Music Town. Uh, Music Town Records. Music Town USA, beloved Philadelphia brand. Beautiful. And you're you're moving through this space and kind of you know flipping through this you know racks of uh, cassettes and. Uh, there's this, some CDs which are, are pretty cutting edge at this stage. Um, they're, they're you know making a big show of, of the CDs, putting them putting them front and center, um, and you're being led along by. I actually I want you to describe this woman who's who's leading you through the space, Chester, because this is this is your mom. So, she's a slender woman. She's got uh, dark hair, kind of a short uh, cut, and uh, you know she has. Uh, one of those, like a cardigan over top of like a, a blouse and slacks, classic mom look. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, she uh, she is smiling gently over to towards Chester, and uh, uh, yeah, I think she leads you over to one of those um, uh, like mounted to the wall. There's a CD player that's like you know vertical, and you can pop it open. Uh, Actually, I guess you can't even pop it up, but you can, like, there's a little display and you can select, uh, it's, where, it's where you can go to uh, listen to snippets and there's headphones hanging on a little hook underneath. Uh, and she picks up the headphones and, and places them over top of your ears. What is your mom playing for you here? What what album are you listening to? Uh, I, I think she, 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 she's like, I really, I really like this one. And it's it's Watermark by uh, Enya, uh, hmm. classic 1988 uh, album, uh, and uh, it's like a very peaceful kind of uh, uh, album. And I, as Chester's listening to it, he's just like, "Oh, this is this is pretty this is pretty calming." I think with the the headphones over your ears and and your mom's hands over the headphones and and the Enya coming through the speakers, 
Um, the overwhelming feeling here is is safety. You feel extremely safe in this moment. Uh, maybe the most you've ever felt that way. We jump forward a little bit in time. Um, you guys are over in the food court. Uh, you can you can still see the Music Town Records kind of over your shoulder off in the distance. Um, but you're in the in the mall food court here. There's a bag on plastic bag on the table uh, containing that record that you listen to together. Um, but you guys aren't paying attention to that right now because you're both taking big bites into uh, a couple of mall food court Philly cheese steaks. <laughs> um, and uh, they're, they're the best kind. They're greasy. Uh, they're, they're the cheese whiz, not the provolone. And it is just like, it, it's the meat is so hot that the cheese whiz gets kind of liquidy and is sort of dripping out. Um, it's a huge mess, uh, but it's so, so tasty. And you're, you're just, you're having an incredible day here but it, it strikes you all of a sudden that you shouldn't be here. This isn't where you're supposed to be right now. It's it's a weekday. You should be in school. And this is sort of just arriving to you, to your brain for the first time that like you, you realize that you got so swept up in the excitement of going to the mall with mom and, and going to the record store and getting cheesesteaks that it, it's only in this moment of rest that you kind of realize that like, hey, wait a minute. What's going on here? Oh, man. Um... This is great. Hey, so are you sure it's okay that um, I, I, I missed some school? I, I mean, I'm not even really sure uh, why we're doing this. I, I thought I had to, I, I thought I had to be in class or whatever. Oh, it's the, it's the final week. It's, you guys have already done all your, all your tests and turned in all your assignments. What, what are you really going to miss in, in the last week of class, right? I mean... But isn't isn't this better? And you can tell she's smiling at you warmly, but but there's like a little bit behind her eyes of like you can tell there's there's something there that she's not telling you. Um. Oh, what's wrong, mom? And she sort of sighs and she's like, "I'm no good at keeping secrets from you, buddy. Um, it's it's not important, but it. Well, it's it's." The awards day, you know, the thing they do with the big assembly. They bring all the parents in and they hand out all the all the awards and whatnot, all the academic and valedictorian and, and all that stuff. And I just, I don't know. I thought this might be nicer for you. Oh. Well, yeah. I, I just like the fact that I'm here with you. It's, um. it's not that you didn't. They they did call, and they they said that they wanted to give you. They wanted to give you the attendance award. It's oh. it's they wanted to give you for for showing up to class on time every day. They they have an award. They'll you'll you'll still they'll give it to you with your report card. But I just they called me on the phone and told me that that they were having this big assembly and that 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 was what they wanted to to give to you and. When I think about you and, and all of the ways in which you're just so, so special and wonderful and kind and brave and generous and loyal and compassionate. And I, I think about all of the things that make you the incredible person that you are, Chester. And then I hear that the only thing that they cared about was that you showed up when they told you to. I just, I couldn't stand it. It broke my heart a little bit, so... 
Chester, you're you're amazing in in a million ways, and I will I won't let anybody tell you that you're not worth celebrating. Oh, so today's about you, okay? Whatever you want to do. Oh, okay. Um, I I got a question though, because like, does that mean I don't get my attendance award anymore because I'm now missing <laughs> class to be here? So does that mean? I hadn't thought about I, that. I'll I'll let them know that that it was me, and, and they they can take away my attendance award. <laughs> and she kind of smiles at you, like she knows that's that's silly. But. Well, I mean, I, I I know you you would. I just wanted I would like to win any kind of award because then, you know, you can be you can be proud of me. Chester, I am so proud of you for so many different reasons and none of them have to do with when you show up to class on time i mean i i you know you should you should go to school you should go to school on time i'm not saying that that's not important but <laughs> there are so many more important things one day's not gonna hurt okay and she kind of reaches over and tussles your hair and and then takes another big bite of her philly cheesesteak <laughs> And see the the cheese drip down onto that that blouse you described earlier, and, and there's a big glob of cheese. Oh, um, you, you got you got a little bit on you there. And she's like, "Oh, um, where? Uh, oh!" And she kind of like reaches with a finger, and then really quickly reaches across and dabs it onto your nose and laughs. <laughs> hey! And you have this moment where you're just kind of like play fighting back and forth, and the light slowly uh, brightens and overtakes the scene. Chester, how are you feeling in this moment? Although it's been super annoying up until this point, Chester is suddenly very thankful for his shaded glass because uh, uh, tears are uh, welling and uh, dripping down his face uh, as he remembers he still has that cassette in his uh, Walkman right now. Uh, the cassette that used to belong to his mom. And with that, the, the light overtakes and, and we find ourselves somewhere new. You all step out of the light into uh, a much more familiar setting. Uh, you find yourselves in a long hallway lined with lockers, uh, and you recognize it as Hillview Secondary. You can see all the way down at the far end of this long straight hallway, uh, there is a glowing exit sign above a set of double doors. Maybe they're the exact same double doors that Elliot tried to sneak out in episode one uh, to follow <laughs> Devani. And uh, through the double doors, you can't see what's beyond them, but there's a faint glow emanating through the sort of wire mesh window uh, panels that are set in these doors. Well, this seems weirdly easy. Angus takes a few steps forward and looks back at the others like, this is, we're just walking, right? Like he's like looking back at, like, is he doing this right? <laughs> Lake, Lake knows immediately who this one's for. You know, uh, go, going to school's a, a big deal for her, her uh, boyfriend Angus. <laughs> um, and uh, she has a suspicion. Uh, Angus knows it too, but isn't gonna you're gonna let him walk confidently as if this isn't harrowing. <laughs> Seems just like high school. <laughs> uh, away we go. 
Yeah, Nick, is this yours? Because you're such a nerd. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate my time in school. Learning is a treasure, but I, I, I don't know. This, this isn't, I expected mine to have more lasers and, and more Sakuga. <laughs> is it populated? Uh, no, it, it seems to be that that is the one weird thing here. Like you're you're in the hallway. It's, you know, brightly lit fluorescent lights overhead. It's it's not like like a spooky hallway or like the, the school after dark or the school in a million years after a, an apocalypse or anything like that. It, it is just like a normal school. Well lit looks normal. The only weird thing is that, yeah, there are there is no one else in the halls. Uh, you don't see any teachers or any students of any kind. I want to do something then that uh, Lake has wanted to do for a long time. Uh, there's no one in the school. Uh, she's going to kick off in her on her hoverboard, get a bunch of speed down the hallway, and is going to try to just do a sweet kick trick in the school hallway. Well, there's no one here. <laughs> she's, she's thought about it so much. She's all It's all she's ever wanted to do uh, <laughs> while walking the halls at school. So I'm going to take this chance. I don't know if I have to roll for it or not, but I am going to do a cool skateboard trick. I love that. Yeah, I think you sort of loop back like away from the doors uh, to sort of like, like you said, build up a little bit of speed that like you you kind of take a little arc backwards and then launch yourself forwards uh, towards your goal. Um, The chuck is away. The slug blasters will play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just as you start to build up speed, uh, you all begin to hear uh, like a rattling sound, like a clanging uh, and like you realize that the lockers along the sides of either side of the hall, the doors are beginning to shake and rattle. I think you you've got your moment. Like, do you, what? Tell me what trick you're trying to do here, I guess, and I'll I'll tell you how it goes. Um, yeah, I know I said a kick trick a second ago, but uh, I think she's just gonna do like a nice long manual and a nose manual, um, slightly crooked down the hallway uh, for as long as she can. Yeah, I, I, you are able to do that. And you know what? Because you're explicitly, like, doing a skateboard trick or a hoverboard trick to try and look cool, take yeah. a style from that. Sweet, um, gonna... that, <laughs> that just makes sense. I did that last action I did, too. This might be the most style I've ever taken. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the caveat on that is you don't get to do it for long as one of these locker doors bursts open. Um, and out of it, you see... Angus Franklin come barreling out uh, and and sort of tackle into you, um, but it's this Angus isn't dressed like the Angus that you guys are hanging out with. Angus, what are you wearing right now? It's still uh, winter. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably uh, wearing like I don't know a hoodie and dark pants. Yeah, Keep fair his enough. De- denim vest on top. Denim vest with the patches, absolutely. This Angus coming out of the locker and and rushing at you, Lake. Uh, is wearing a soccer uniform, like cleats, tall socks, uh, shorts, <laughs> the, the works, <laughs> and and slams into you and and knocks you off your board. Uh, not you don't take a slam from this, but yeah. you are you are inter your trick is interrupted um, as this Angus uh, barrels into you. Uh, Angus Prime uh, <laughs> uh, rolls rolls his eyes and goes, <laughs> "Damn it." And as you do that, uh, three more doors burst open, and you see an Angus in a fencing outfit uh, with the like. <laughs> you assume it's an Angus. That one's pretty covered up. Uh, yeah. An Angus in a in a trivia team T-shirt, um, and another Angus in a painter's smock all come out and start walking towards <laughs> you threateningly. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey friends, it's Robin here to thank you once again for listening to the show and to kindly ask that if you enjoy what we do, please, please recommend us to friends and leave us nice reviews wherever you listen to us. It really does make a huge difference in the growth of the show, and we couldn't have gotten where we are today without a ton of help from you. So thank you so, so much. Uh, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and more. Uh, and you can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews, outtakes, and Chester's Groove Station. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the conclusion of this adventure on Wednesday, June 8th, and then our multi-part season finale is scheduled to begin on June 22nd. Uh, but that's enough out of me, because there are some huge revelations waiting for you in the second half of this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear them. So I'm going to throw it over to a Quahalian copy of Angus wearing studio headphones and holding a microphone for a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? It's me, Angus the Hammer Franklin, coming at you live from Hillview by way of Quahalia with some words from our sponsors. This episode was brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. To learn more about the Edmonton Community Foundation, you can visit ecfoundation.org. Yeah, we uh, have our own expert on making ends meet in Quahalia, and it's the giant floating Ouroboros. Ayo! This episode was also brought to you by ATB. At ATB, we make banking work for you by offering both expert and practical advice in saving, budgeting, and paying off debt. And though your financial situation and the economy may change over time, you can be confident that your money is safe and secure with ATB. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit atb.com. Yeah, the financial situation here in Quahalia changes all the time, too. Sometimes I'm made of money, like literally made of bills and coins. And sometimes money is made of me, which is a lot more uncomfortable. That is... That is not a situation where you want to break a 20. Ayo! Anyway, I gotta go. I'm gonna pop out of a locker right now. These idiots won't see it coming. I'm Angus the Hammer Franklin, and you just got hammered. Dastardly devils, what's all this? I was kept real busy when I was homeschooled, and he pulls out his ray gun and fires at the one in the fencing uniform. <laughs> oh my god. Ah, uh, beautiful. <laughs> Let's get a roll for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll a d6. I think he's not even thinking. I rolled a six. Damn. Oh, beautiful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this ray gun blast hits straight on. Like, I think it hits this uh, fencing Angus in the chest, um, and it sort of just, like, it almost bursts into pixels and just like disintegrates, like it it it, it deteriorates away into nothingness. It's, you, there's not like an Angus corpse lying on the ground; it just, <laughs> just glitches into non-existence. <laughs> um, 
and the the other three that are, are still there uh, begin walking even more aggressively. They realize now that you're you're not here to play. If, if you guys have anything you want to take out on me, now would be the perfect time to do it. <laughs> uh, Chester comes running all the way from the back, uh, he, uh, and he is gritting his teeth. You've never seen him run so fast, and he comes up, uh, does like a, a shotgun drop kick, which is just like feet uh, jumps up, kicks Angus in the chest, the 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 painting uh, Angus, and like yeah. sends him crashing into the water fountain or something like that. Or that's the hole. That's the hole. Uh, I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one to you for free. Uh, this painting spot, Angus is toast. Um, several more lockers pop open down further down down. Uh, there's an Angus in a ballet leotard. Uh, there's a Bangus, <laughs> uh, there's an Angus carrying a, uh, Karate uh, Gi, Karate Gi. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, Karate yep. Gi Angus for sure. Uh, yeah, just so many Anguses pouring out of these lockers. Um, and, and you realize <laughs> that, um, this may not be a matter of, of taking them all out so much as just uh, circumnavigating this hallway and getting to your goal. <laughs> oh, I was going to school that uh. trivia one with horror movie knowledge, but <laughs> looks like it's You can. No, work. you feel free to take out as many as you want along the way. <laughs> so yes, there are uh, dozens of Anguses between you and the end of the hallway. Uh, what's the play here? How does Weird Gravity get past all of these Anguses? Do we want to do one big team role do we want to do several small roles i am i am open to your offers gosh we're getting real close to fire code here <laughs> everyone get in behind I, the hallways were just not crowded for me to do the trick and now they're crowded as heck i think i want to try and almost like part part the angus seas and, and like, like do, a, do a big rush down the middle using my nega friction wake on my board and it's kind of like if people want to hop on the train of that and pull along with maybe yeah yeah totally. sounds good I love that. Yeah. Uh, do we have any hype die at the moment? There is one. Uh, I think I will. I'll, I'll snag that one. Do you want to die from my skip modes? Sure. If you if you if you can. Yeah. Yeah. So if we pop on those, and then I'll add uh, one of my smarts kick just to sort of help the idea that we can make it go all all through as a team here. So I'll be rolling three d six with a kick. Um, I, I want to try and look cool on this. I think if I can. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be a lot of like Nick's going to try and really spe- specifically maneuver this because he doesn't want to hurt his friend Angus. He, does, he doesn't want to have to hurt Angus, so he's going to try and do as much uh, getting out of the way as he can through them. That's a six! Yes! Yay. Beautiful. Uh, so yeah, as they sort of start getting going down the hall, moving in these, this swarm of Anguses, uh, Nick is going to shout out, Nigatana fourth form lead, velocity thrust, engine rush! <laughs> Uh, and he's he's like the engine on the train here, and he just starts whirring up. The Nekatana Mark II is held forward, glowing red. It, it almost feels like there's steam going off to, to help sort of keep pulling them forward on the boards. And he's just going, not even, I know I said I was going to try and part them, but instead of being a straight line, it's like zigzagging all over the place, very serpentine, in and about, all throughout the different Anguses. We see Chef Angus go by, we see Arts and Crafts <laughs> Angus, they're, they're just whizzing oh. past him. Anybody feel free to shout out any Anguses they want to see. There's one oh. opening a locker door in a welding mask, but you slam the door shut on him before he can get out. <laughs> it's very easy to get past Scuba Angus. 
Boy Scout uniform for sure. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Link does a double take at swimsuit Angus. <laughs> <laughs> I think as they go past, there is an Angus with a guitar, and Elliot just like mm-hmm. dead eyes him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a guitar, but unlike as we established that like Angus or Elliot's guitar is actually like pretty sweet. This is an Angus with like a. It's it's like clearly meant to look like a Fender, uh, like a Strat, but it's a brand you've never heard of in your life, and it's like clearly something that was bought at a Costco for less than a hundred dollars, and it's so covered in stickers that like like they're, they're over the pickup in one point, like just rookie mistakes. <laughs> Hiding behind um, guitarist Angus uh, sheepishly is ukulele Angus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Angus will look at Elliot and say, if you ever need only power chords, you know where to look. (laughs) Uh, Can I pitch something, Robin? Yeah, absolutely. I I know this isn't exactly how this ability goes, um, but, uh, you know, Angus, there's a lot of Anguses around here, and I think this is revealing a lot about him. Um, Mm -hmm. So even though this isn't necessarily to the letter, I'm wondering if I can invoke my ability Fearless. Okay. As it's written, it says once per run, you can ignore slams such as insecure, afraid, humiliated, etc. Uh, and I think Angus would just be like kind of cracking jokes the whole way as we're going. And he <laughs> seems pretty unfazed by the fact that there are dozens of him in any number of potentially humiliating outfits. Yeah, I love that. So you're not not ignoring a slam here, um, but you are, you know, ignoring the the social pressure that is being put on you and, and employing your defense mechanism here. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you left off the, the final part of that ability, which is when you do Mark II style. Um, yeah. And I think that's a totally appropriate use of this. So yes, Mark your style. I think the condition of that is you have to give us a taste of what are some of the jokes you crack about various Anguses as they go by. Ooh, okay. Uh... Equestrian Angus. <laughs> a little hat in the jacket. Oh. <laughs> Riding boots. Uh, uh, yeah, question is like, I wish I had kept that helmet. I have had so many concussions. <laughs> uh, S- Scuba Angus, he's like, what body of water? So, like, what were they? In Alberta. We're in a prairie in province. What good was that, Mom? Team Sudoku Angus. <laughs> Team Sudoku. <laughs> he's like, that one was less than a day. Like, <laughs> you don't need a team for that. It's a one-player game. <laughs> uh, this is a complete success. You are able to weave your way through the halls here. Um, I think I wanted to offer, uh, Lake, you you were in mid-trick when that first Angus burst out and kind of caught you unawares. Uh, can we say that Angus, uh, like, as Nick creates this friction wake and starts pulling you along in this train, Angus sort of grabs your hand and pulls you up to to join the train here, and, and the five of you are all riding together? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, are you looking at other guys? Uh, she, yeah, if she was on the ground, I think she might have ended up, but like, maybe looking up at uh, um, swim, swim team Angus. Angus. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, sorry, what? Uh, no, not other guys. I was check- checking you out, babe. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and off we go. Uh, and then, so you, this is going to be a complete success, but I want to know, 
does anyone take the opportunity to uh, take out any more Angus's along the way? Looking at you, Chester. <laughs> oh yeah, that's all I'm doing. Like I, I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm going on the wake with everybody. I think I'm just going through like it's just a long hallway, and I'm just fighting as many of them. I'm still proceeding forward always. He's never stopping for, but it, you know he'll grab the uh, five-pin bowling uh, Angus and like huck some. Uh, conveniently into a, like a, a, a group of like five other Angus's and knocks them. Strike! <laughs> you know, he uh, takes a locker door and bangs uh, wood chop uh, Angus in there <laughs> and like uh, utilizing environmental things from the, the, the school to like it's kind of a like, brutal fight you've never seen him actually do because there, he knows that there's no consequence. Leaving a wake of pixels behind him. Yeah, that's right. What is the look on his face while this is all happening? Like, he's fighting ruthlessly, but but how does he look, I guess, beneath his visor? Uh, give, give the audience a window into Chester's soul here. What does he look like? Uh, he is working out anger uh, that has uh, uh, bubbled up uh, in the in the last few minutes, uh, this this is possibly the worst combo to go. Chester's <laughs> right into this particular one with Angus. Uh, yeah, he is uh, he is like kind of like cry fighting uh, as, uh, all the way through. Uh, I think at one point Angus looks like he's looking around and cracking jokes. He looks at Chester taking out like five Anguses at once, and like <laughs> he pauses and like. Uh, for a split second, this like fearful look goes across his face, and then he looks at a different Angus and like shoots him and cracks a joke about uh, knitting needles aren't knives, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I love this image of yeah, this this uh, slick uh, snaking train pulled by the Nega Friction Wake, and then in behind, you know, a little ways back, this just pandemonium of of Chester pummeling his way through. One way or another, you all make it to the end of the hallway. Angus, you throw the double doors wide. Um, and, you know, snake that you are, you, you barrel through first. Followed closely by your teammates. And then a little while later, Chester finally makes it through and joins you. <laughs> I, I get to the door and I'm about to walk through. And then I just like turn around real quick, grab another one and like dunk them into like a, a garbage can and then uh, follow through. <laughs> Uh, I hope this was cathartic for Chester. Poor beekeeping Angus. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, we see a different scene play out. So Angus, we find you... Your perspective is on on an open textbook in front of you, um, and it, it almost feels like you're still back in in the school in in class. Um, but you look up from this textbook, and you quickly realize uh, uh, you, you you recognize the kitchen of your house. Um, your, your kitchen table has books spread out all in front of you and papers and whatnot. But it is it is very clearly it's, you're not in school. You're at home. Um, and across the table from you, uh, your mom is standing there. Uh, she's, she's got like, I'm trying to think of how she would do this at home. Um, cause she doesn't have like a chalkboard. Uh, hmm. but maybe she's like taking individual pieces of like eight and a half by 11 printer paper 
and it's, you know, it's the old kind that you have to tear the strips off either side. Um, <laughs> and she's taped them up on the wall, side by side by side, making a big grid to, like, that. that's her whiteboard. It's just a bunch of single pieces of paper taped up so that she can she write stuff up there. She has to change every time. <laughs> yeah. And you are in the middle of a homeschooling lesson uh, with your mom. The book in front of you, I think, is a uh, uh, collected works uh, or like introductory works of uh, of Shakespeare. Because uh, mm, I imagine mm-hmm. all of the works of Shakespeare in one book would be a, a pretty big book, but it's like a selection <laughs> for your grade level uh, that is approved by the homeschool curriculum. Um, and you're currently uh, you, you've just finished Hamlet and are, are working on uh, you're, you're reviewing your sort of reading comprehension for the play mm-hmm. that you just finished reading. Well, there, Angus. So I, I, there you go. It had all, uh, so much like fighting and a lot of happening. What, what, what did you think of it all? There, can you can you tell me what happened in this story? Uh, yeah. Hamlet took a really long time to do what he was told to do in the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> Got hey, that's a, that is very true, there, Angus. I, uh, you, you know, it's more than just that, though, right? There. Hamlet is a complicated kind of a, a story, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's trying to get revenge for uh, his uncle doing so many terrible things. And he's, uh, you know, it's not easy to do what you're supposed to do, you know? <laughs> I think he's a coward. Well, I, so, hey, you know, that's a, that's a fair like, interpretation. What was the whole point of the, like, the play? Like, I'm already reading a play, and you're making me read another play that had a mini-play in front of it? I read, like, three plays in one play. Why didn't he just kill Claudius when he had the chance? Just, if you have a thing that you're going to do, just do it. Well, well, you know, uh, they had to fill five acts, you know, Uh, first of all. And, I mean, I bet, I wonder if he got to the one act, he's like, you know what, we need it right here, we probably need another play, that would fill out one act for for a little bit there, and (laughs) I'm not sure, you know, what what, what do you think, sometimes it's hard to do a thing, you know? Mom, why did Dad leave? Oh, uh... This catches your mom off guard, I don't think. I think you've had similar conversations. I, I, I don't think this is new at this point, this this uh, parental arrangement. He's been gone for a while, but uh, I think your mom has done her best so far to sidestep this conversation and, and just reassure you as much as she can. But uh, I don't think she was expecting to have to answer this question in the middle of a lesson on Hamlet. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, a- Angus, let's focus on, uh, Hamlet instead, you know, uh, you, no. you, you, it took Hamlet too long to do what he needed to do. I need to know. I don't get it. I don't get, I thought things were, I, I just, I can't put it together. I don't know why, why? <sighs> Angus. And uh, and she sits down, uh, and she takes a moment and uh, says, Look, Angus, your father and I, we tried to make things work for a long time. And uh, 
it, it just couldn't work. It, we, we, we were not able to kind of come to agreement on, on certain things. It was difficult. And look, it was not an easy thing for your father to go. It was ultimately, though, for, for the best. And that, and that's the truth, you know. I, but, like, nothing happened. It just, it just, it, it came out of, I, I mean, I thought it looked like it came out of nowhere. But you're telling me that this has been, this has been a long time coming? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I sometimes, not all marriages, you know, explode and, you know, something bad really happens and, you know, it, it, it burns out. Sometimes, you know, marriages can suffocate and it's a slow, it's a slow end sometimes. And your father and I, it was long and painful and we tried to make it work, but we decided to give each other a chance to live well. We should go our separate ways there. Did I, did I do, was it something? Oh, Angus, no, no, no. It, this is, this has nothing to do with you, Angus. The, your father cares for you. I mean... He does. And he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, he... He is. I, uh... I wish he didn't leave completely. But, uh... I still think that this is better this way. I think your mom comes over and puts a hand on your shoulder and, and sort of just rubs your back. Um, I don't think either of you know what to do in this moment. I don't think there's there's a solution here. Angus is sort of staring down at the table and he just like is, every few seconds he's just like shaking his head. I think we <laughs> leave that scene in a silence that is broken only by the sound of a single sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper coming untaped and falling to the floor in the background. Uh, and the light slowly overtakes the scene. Uh, well, that's the last time I get the tape from the dollar store. Clears when the light fades, we find ourselves somewhere that none of you recognize. It is cold and metallic, hard and reflective, and you see before you a long corridor that branches off several times at sharp 90 degree angles. It is dimly lit, and you none of you recognize where you are. Is the light red? Uh, yeah, let's say it's it's got a red hue to it. Nick, are we in your Negatana? You know, now that you mention that, I still don't know for sure. 
having that having been said now you you look around with with fresh eyes to try and see like do i recognize you know some component is there a uh mega friction coil or a crampton crystal or a, any of the the parts a disc a lens a gem um and you you don't see anything that immediately gives it away that that is where you would be mm-hmm. but you're no closer to figuring out where it is that you are all you know is there are high walls on either side of you and a narrow passageway extending forward that branches off uh into several different paths almost like a maze hmm a- angus how how are you doing he doesn't say anything right S- sorry um what sorry what he taps his toe <laughs> gosh I, I i just don't understand what these these hallways are supposed to be. I, by all accounts, that this this should be related to me, but I I don't I don't remember this at all. And as you're saying this, uh, you you look off down the hallway, and you you hadn't seen it yet, but for a moment, you see that glow that you recognize from all of the other spaces you've been in here, all of the other mindscapes. But it's not at a fixed point in space. It goes flitting past uh, at the mouth of one of the other corridors just just for a split second and then it's gone. Um, and then you see maybe beyond your, your field of vision, but you see the one of the other passageways just get bright for a moment as though it being illuminated from a point far off. You realize that this glow is, is moving around through the space. Wait, I... I think the gate might be in motion. Maybe we have to catch it? Yeah, I think you're right, uh, Nick. Um, Well, I remember the one time uh, me and Abby beat Whack-A-Mole at the the theme park. Um, We just did it by teaming up and both hitting it. So, uh, and she, she goes to fire up her exponent coil and wants to make multiple copies of Nick to, (laughs) to go try to like, get as many doors as possible brilliant if there are more than then we can check out all possible possible angles and then once we find a dead end we just loop back we, we should be able to heck we could map out the entirety of this maze in no time if that were the case <laughs> yeah you're, you're you know two heads are better than one so let's see if i can get like six nicks going here um and i'm gonna use as many <laughs> kick kick as i can uh, so i'm only rolling one die uh, but I've got three kick on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so normally this says roll to temporarily create one d six plus one alternate versions of a target. Yeah. And and how many kick are you putting on it? Three. I want maybe a kick per d six. What would that be? Forty six plus one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Sure. Um, you're you're burning all your resources. I I think that's great. Um, and you're and I'm only one, rolling one dice about one it. One die about it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that guy's quit conflating dice and die. I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> it's um, all good. You know what? Let's make it easy on everybody. I'm going to use all those kicks and then middle finger. <laughs> yes! I was wondering if you'd noticed that you hadn't used that. No, yet. I knew. I was just like saving it for a special <laughs> occasion, and I think I think making a dramatic number of nicks is the perfect occasion. So, four d six. Here we go. This is how many nicks I make. Twelve, uh, a six, a four, and two ones. Okay, so twelve nicks. Four, two ones, twelve plus one because it's forty-six plus one, so thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Hell yeah! 
Nick, you you uh, are hit with this uh, beam from from Lake's cannon, um, and immediately uh, extrapolate out into fourteen parallel versions of you. They appear nearby. One is usually evil, says the text of the book. Um, I think here, you know, you got a common goal. Evil is subjective. Yeah, I think Lake's pretty impressed with the with the new Miper reality cannon. She's like, "Damn, this baby has a uh, this baby has some real kick to it." I that that came out smooth. Look at look at that. She's like quite proud of her work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think all fourteen of the Nicks in unison uh, start talking. <laughs> oh wow. It feels wild to be two people at once, but this is a whole crew! And I think, if I may, they're all just slightly different colors. Like, they have a general shade to them. But if you think about, like, picking the color of, like, say, a font where you get, you know, not a full color wheel, but you get, say, 13, 14 options. Hmm. Yeah, Yeah. there's, like, a reddish one, a pinkish one, an orangish one, and and all the way down the rainbow. It's a nice palette, and without meaning to, they've all stood in the order. Yeah. (laughs) It's like in Super Smash Bros. when two people pick the same character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, love it. Uh, and I think pretty quickly these Nicks all all um, snap into action and, and go uh, rocketing forward to, to map out the maze. And I think just as quickly the uh, environment around you begins to change. One of these Nicks uh, goes forward and takes the first left branch and immediately a grid of bright red lasers forms up above on the roof and comes straight down on it and and like essentially uh, uh, it's like a a cube grid that just slices through this nick and and disappears it in a puff of uh, in a puff of logic another one goes a little further up and takes a right branch uh, and is is, you know going full tilt but has to suddenly stop as a bunch of buzz saws come flying across the corridor and what was a a quick jump to action moment now becomes uh, a moment to uh, pause and, and formulate a new strategy as as it is clear that there are uh, traps abound in this maze. Glad we made extras. <laughs> I think upon seeing uh, let's say it's the taupe Nick just get absolutely diced up <laughs> the original red Nick is a little uh, he's, he's, he's a little dumbfounded for a moment. Um, <laughs> uh Oh gosh, um, perhaps this takes a little more tact. Um, okay, here's an offer. Yeah. I want to roll to pull a drone out of my backpack. Oh, very good. Like a camera, a camera drone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, I will take a die from my uh, backpack and roll three dice. Uh, that's a five, and I roll doubles. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, mixed success. Um. You, you reach into your boardwear backpack. I think what you retrieve is uh, like a... It, it almost looks like one of those Miper security orbs that you've seen at Multipalooza and at Tristan Voss's office. Um, but like in miniature. Actually, maybe similar to the one that first approached you guys uh, when you uh, returned from the Unknown Dimension. And as you pull it out, it's sort of like a little light comes on it and goes from red to blue as it wirelessly syncs with Chester's Miper armor. Um, and Chester, <laughs> your visor rig, uh, you, you can see uh, on your heads-up display the perspective of this drone uh, as Elliot sends it up. Oh. Oh, wow. And, and I bet it's like a little bit uh, like a little bit confusing if it's coming through there. Like, I take a, f- a, a moment uh, and just like kind of back up and like uh, bounce into one of the, the walls and just like get oriented and 
Yeah. Um, but she can she controls the drone, right? I just yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I guess you'd have some sort of a little like control panel with a joystick, Elliot. Uh, you know what? To make this easy, I think Chester, there's an option on your on your heads up display uh, to share, um, and you're not entirely sure what that means. But when you select it, uh, it disappears from your heads up display, and you you're now projecting a little hologram from your gauntlet uh, that displays what the drone sees, so everyone can can have a view of it. Cool. Uh, yeah, Elliot pilots it so that it has a view above the maze. Because you said high walls, but you didn't say they go to the ceiling. I did not, uh, because, yeah, there is no ceiling. And as this uh, drone raises up, you get a view of, of these corridors twisting and turning. They're all, like, yeah, very long, straight corridors that will suddenly take uh, a turn at a, at a sharp 90-degree angle. Um, but you also see some, like, larger structures, uh, big rectangular sort of like what look like almost buildings. Um, and as the drone gets higher and gets a more in- unobstructed view, maybe you don't recognize it, Elliot, but Nick, you definitely do. What you're looking at is like a circuit board uh, or a motherboard from a computer. Mm. And in amongst this, uh, you see, you know, you, you can see yourselves in the one corridor. You can see a bunch of brightly colored Nicks up ahead. Um, and then up in the distance, you can see this, uh, sort of incorporeal white point of light that is just moving through it's, it's moving down corridors, but also occasionally like drifting just straight through the barriers and through the walls. It It is, uh, intangible in much the same way that you can sometimes be, uh, <laughs> but you've got a line of sight on it. And I think at this point, um, you can absolutely, uh, roll to pursue, and let's give you some sort of mechanical advantage here for the fact that you just have so many nicks. Um, I think maybe what it is is just like it'll allow you to avoid some some slams and complications along the way because you just you have numbers on your side. You're able to you don't have to go headfirst into traps. Um, Free nopes. <laughs> yeah, you've got a bunch of extra guys essentially. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get your uh, your first roll here, um, and let me know if if you are taking any sort of unusual approach uh, besides just like moving through the hallways and trying to get to where this thing is based on the drone data. I think using the the drone is is like the way to sort of triangulate where it's going to be. Watching it sort of drift and move through and start passing through these walls, I think gives Nick a little bit of a, an idea. (laughs) The the shortest way to a point is, is a direct line. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And I think, all of the the Knicks are going to start trying to hyperphase their way on on through toward this thing. Beautiful. Uh, I love this offer. I think, uh, let me just read your hyperphaser ability so I have a very clear idea of how this is going to work. You can roll to phase through walls and other matter. Perfect. And I think because you've already done the roll to to generate these Knicks and you've already expended resources to do so, uh, like I'm, I'm not going to make you roll for every individual Nick is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, I think you can, you can do a blanket roll here, add whatever you want to it. Uh, and, and again, these Nicks will maybe help you avoid some complications along the way. The one complication I do see here with this offer is that like you are phasing through walls, Elliot and Chester aren't necessarily. So you're going to have to sort of triangulate where it's going to be and then head off towards it and hope that you can, uh, that it doesn't, you know, make an erratic turn and and uh, lead you off course. But there's also enough of you that you got pretty good odds that even if you uh, don't make your way directly to it, you you may find a way to encounter it. Um, so let's get this roll and we'll see how it shakes out for you. I think I'm going to use the last two dice in my smarts pool here. 
Because I think yes. this is a lot of like trying to use the logic of the maze, figuring it out, understanding of like basic circuitry sort of things on, on, on you might find in the motherboard idea. Like, okay, based on the layout of this, what might I find? Where, where are the soldering lines? What, what kind of connections are there between different hubs and things on this board? Uh, and, yes. and it kind of like <laughs> galaxy brains his way into trying to pl- plot out this, <laughs> this multi-pronged attack by, by spreading out the Nicks and all sort of coming in from a, a larger net is the, is the hope. Beautiful. Uh, I love so that. Be rolling 3d6 here. I got a six. Beautiful. Yeah, the Nicks all in sequence like I think it, it clicks to you all at the same time as you're all watching the the display from this projector you all realize that you have the ability to hyperphase and and all of you in unison uh, engage that ability um, they also as, as they do it they just go oh duh <laughs> a chorus of, of 14 oh does ripples out and you all become intangible and spread your way through the maze um, I think it is like we said it, it's a little bit tricky to track because you you have to you know, look at the display before leaving and then hope you're still on target. Um, but it's a lot of like calling out to one another that like, you know, you don't see it right away, but you hear a nick off in the distance go, uh, clips over here. And then you all go, you adjust your course. And then you hear another one off to the right, go like, oop, spotted it. And then one by one, you're, uh, you're slowly closing in on it. I think as you're doing this, there are also like, like we said, traps abound. I think there's, you know, uh, jets of, of, noxious looking gas going off there's uh floors that collapse away uh but like the the intangibility mixed with the complete success of this role um the the vast majority of these nicks just glide right through let's roll 1d6 for for collateral nick damage along the way (laughs) oh man three 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 nicks meet their end one of them is a victim of the collapsing floor you can't can't phase your way out of that problem uh, one of them. What are some other traps that can catch him here? Battery acid pool. Oh, oh. boy. Uh, and yeah, I think that, you know, remains intangible, so it doesn't get like uh, disintegrated, <laughs> but it's just like, can't get out. <laughs> it's just like at the bottom in the of a pool. pool, and it's like, <laughs> well, I, I have to stay intangible. There's nothing I can do. A uh, very Sims death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no ladder. <laughs> And the last one is the evil one and just decides that they don't want to do this anymore just and heads off, off in another direction. <laughs> um, but the remaining ten copies plus you uh, find yourselves in, in a wider open portion of this uh, and, and I think you just like close in on it from all sides. Like you, you end up with this point of light surrounded between you and it's kind of like twitching and, and moving back and forth but has no way to go that isn't cut off by a nick. So you've got it surrounded in this open area uh, between uh, Nick's on all sides. It's no use, Ball of Light. We've all played Mario 64. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that, I think you're able to call out to the rest of your crew, and you're even able to sort of guide them through because there's enough of, of the Nick's remaining here to be like... You know, all right, head up, you know, the the first left branch, but then watch out for the laser grid. And then you're going to take a right and another right. But the ceiling collapses in that part. There's a covered area and it's going to come down on you. So just just move through quickly and you should be okay. Um, I have an offer. Yeah. Uh, I want to invoke two abilities in my skip modes. Yes. Angus will look up and see no ceiling. And then he'll look down at his feet and then he'll walk up the wall. Oh, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) So 
Angus is walking along the top of the wall, kind of helping to guide people. So he's using his anti-nega friction outsoles, and he's kind of keeping a level head because he's still fast forwarding. So I Mm -hmm. also want to use my temporal scrubber to refill one hype and mark one trouble. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you absolutely do that. And between, yeah, the Knicks navigating and Angus up top, most of the crew is able to make it here unscathed. We did have one mixed success from that drone roll that didn't get resolved yet. Uh, and I think that's got to be what happens here. Maybe it is as you're almost to the rest of the the Knicks that Elliot, you go to recall this drone. As you do so, you see the sort of like the the point of light on the orb that's that's paired to Chester's armor descending towards you. And then you see several more points of light behind it. And you realize that uh, that this drone is being pursued by other drones you don't recognize. Uh, and and they all have cool red points of light. Um, <laughs> and by oh, recalling no. this drone, you're leading them straight towards you. Um, so we're, we're not going to, you know, put you in too much trouble here. But we are going to give you a slam here. I think they just got energy weapons. They zap you. Um, we're going to give Elliot a zapped slam. Sure. I'll, I'll take that because I have uh, the ability from the Grit playbook called Walk It Off, where I gain an extra slam box and mark one style every time I take a slam. Mark that style then. There you go. <laughs> um, but one of your slam boxes is filled. Um, you all make your way out into this open space where Nick has the light cornered. And uh, yeah, does everyone move through here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Is it fair to say that Nick maybe goes last, uh, just because you're kind of the thing that's keeping the or, or keeping the the light in position? So like, you need to remain until until everyone else is through, or else it'll find its opening and go running off into the maze again. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think uh, all of the Nicks sort of understand this and like how it was running away. So like. They just sort of move to sort of refill the circle as uh, the Nick in red sort of steps forward. And the rest of them knowing that they have to stay behind to keep it in place. Mm-hmm. Boy, the philosophical implications of some of these abilities <laughs> is wild, but we don't have time. Um, as you step forward, uh, yeah, all of your friends have, have passed through into this light and you're you're the last one to go. And yeah, you see the, this point of light here, this incorporeal mass. And just as you're stepping through it, there's almost a familiarity to it. Like it... it didn't as you were chasing it down and just sort of looked like nothing but there's there's almost like it almost looks like a figure that you recognize you can almost make out a face but before you can the light overtakes you um and you find yourself somewhere else entirely so we find nick at some point in his past, he's in his bedroom, lying on his bed. It's not the bedroom that he has now. It doesn't look like his current apartment. This is this is from somewhere before. Um, it's a bigger room. Out the window, we can see that, that you're on a second floor. And uh, you're lying in bed, watching TV. You've got... Uh, I'll let you tell me what anime is on the television at this point, because I don't have one. Um, you're also not dressed familiar. The, both the space and your your look are a little unfamiliar here. You've, you're wearing what is probably your nicest clothes. You've got on a pair of dress pants, uh, a shirt tucked in. There's a jacket slumped over a chair um, and a pair of nice shoes that you've kicked off onto the floor. And your hair is uh, is neatly you know, styled down and combed. Um, and you're sort of lying on your stomach, 
watching anime uh, when you hear a knock at your bedroom door. Honey? Uh, yeah, Mom? Can I come in? Oh, yeah. Uh, let me just pause. And uh, he sort of scrabbles forward, and uh, I, I, I want to picture this is one of those combo uh, VCR TVs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just uh, he hits the pause button to, to stop on the, the thrilling episode of Sail Saga, the, the fun anime where all these these pirates go around looking for treasure. And it's, it's definitely not based off of an existing anime. No, 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 no. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think Nick... Uh... Plays off pretty casual here, but but there's a little bit of a crack to his voice. We can we can hear that um, that as as uh, carefree as he's trying to sound in this moment, that this is uh, maybe not the best day for Nick Lowe. Uh, but he pauses his anime and and goes and and lets his mom into his room. Look, I know that today has been really hard. I know that. Saying goodbye is really hard. And it's scary. And I understand wanting to be by yourself. But I think it would be really good if you came downstairs for a little while, honey. Well, I was I was just in the middle of a really good arc, and, and well, I, I, there's there's not that much longer in the episode. Can I can I can I at least watch a few more or something? And I think as as your mom says this and you say this, you you all and we in the audience, it, the the knowledge materializes uh, that that Nick has been his in his room here all day, avoiding what's downstairs, um, and that uh, that his mom has uh, left well enough alone to this point and tried to give him space, but but has uh, has finally stepped in. Sweetheart, everyone is here. They all want to see if you're okay. Uh, well, you can come up here and watch too. I got plenty of room on my bed, and 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 we can watch the next episode. And um, and yeah, we'll let's we'll just we'll see the next one, and and the next one, and it'll all be it'll all be good. Every every episode will will be good. I can't make you come downstairs. I just think that it'll be good for you. Let us be your family. Okay? Uh, I... I just... Oh, sweetie. I just wanted to keep watching. I just... I, I just wanted to see what happens next. I know. I know. I think your mom... Wraps you tight in her arms and, and squeezes you tight and, and doesn't let go for a very long time. But eventually she does. And she stands up and walks over to the TV and, and smiles at you and, and hits the play button and heads back out into the hall. Does Nick stay in his room or does he follow his mom downstairs? I think he stays in his room but he just he doesn't go back to bed and keep watching he uh he just sort of sits down with his back against the side of the bed and lets the uh the sound of the show play out and will sort of wash over him and the light from the tv glows on the side of nick's face uh, and it begins to glow brighter and brighter until it overtakes the scene (laughs) 
When the light fades, you see an oddly similar scene. Um, you see a teenage girl alone in her bedroom, bored. She lies in her bed, staring at the ceiling, and for a long time, nothing happens. Nothing ever happens. She's almost gotten used to it. It'd be comforting if it wasn't so boring. But then she hears it. Tires on gravel. Someone's pulling up to the house across the road. You all know Hillview as a small town, but the Hillview that this girl knows is even smaller. It hasn't had the chance yet to grow into what it will one day be. She lives on the outskirts where it's always quiet, and she knows every set of tires that come down this road. Her dad getting home from the night shift at 5 a.m., then the milkman, then the school bus, though that had stopped last week and wouldn't return until the fall. Then Henry Stone headed to work in his Camaro, then a whole lot of nothing for the rest of the day, followed by all those same vehicles in reverse order minus the milkman. It varies a little depending on the day, but the sound she hears now is completely unfamiliar. These are new tires. The girl, whose name is Charlotte, but prefers Charlie, rushes to the window to see a family unloading from the cab of a white pickup. She sees a pair of adults at first, and she holds her breath, praying that there might be a kid as well. A boy would be nice, but any company at all would, would be appreciated. Her hopes come crashing down as the final family member hops out into the driveway, and Charlie lets out her breath in a sigh. She was praying for a kid, but she meant someone her age, a teenager. The girl leaning against the tailgate, stretching her legs, is a kid. She looks to be two, maybe even three years younger than Charlie, practically a baby. Still, in a town as small as Hillview, you don't really get to choose uh, your friends, at least not until you can drive. As long as you're beholden to the whims of the school bus and rides from your parents, you pretty much have to either be friends with whoever you live within walking distance of, or go it alone. And so, Charlie Ludlow, who would grow up to be Charlotte Capone, but doesn't know that yet, reluctantly introduces herself to the girl across the road, who goes by Triss. Triss is as talkative as Charlie is quiet, possibly a byproduct of growing up in the city. Charlie learns that Triss is here staying with family for the summer, that she can't wait to get back to the city, that she misses her friends, and that she saw a moose on the drive-in. Triss doesn't learn much about Charlie, but she doesn't mind. They spend afternoons riding bikes, Triss borrows Charlie's old one, looking at magazines at the corner store, and climbing the fallen tree across the ravine. There's still nothing to do, but even nothing is more fun with another person. It's on one such afternoon that they find themselves climbing through the window of the old mill. It's been shut down for years now, and there's talk of it getting bulldozed and replaced, but in the meantime it's all boarded up, and Triss has been daring Charlie to sneak in ever since she first saw it. They try to ease their way down, but it's dark and the window is high up, so they land in a heap on the dusty cement floor. They were expecting some disused machinery, maybe some old ledgers or boxes of scrap. They never could have guessed what they'd actually find. The plant is enormous, taking over an entire corner of the factory floor, with vines snaking out and burrowing into every crack. The windows are all papered over, but one single shaft of light breaks through a skylight, illuminating a large, dark green bulb protruding from a thick, coiled, thorny vine. Triss grabs Charlie's arm. They're both too afraid to get any closer that first day, or the day after that. But eventually, one day, Charlie pokes it with a stick, and then Triss runs up and puts her hand on it, and after that they take turns climbing the vines. For the rest of the summer, they spend most of their afternoons in the old mill. It's their secret fort, their hiding spot. They don't tell anyone about the plant, they don't think anyone would believe them, and if they did, they'd probably just say not to go near it, which would be boring. Slowly, day by day, the bulb begins to open, revealing massive, shimmering petals that seem to shift from one color to another. Tristan fancies herself a scientist, and she collects some of the nectar in a little glass mason jars and takes them home to look at with her dad's microscope. But Charlie is the first one to try a taste of it. Triss is mortified by this, but Charlie doesn't think it's that big of a deal. She's always had to make her own fun, 
and she's stolen a few beers from the fridge in the garage, and she's even tried pot once, so she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Tris has no intention of following suit, but after she hears Charlie describe visions of endless oceans and ancient temples, towering jungles and frozen wastelands, she can't resist trying it for herself. It can't be more than a week after that first taste of the nectar that the earthquakes start, and soon after that come the strange trees growing up through the middle of the road and the river in the sky, and then all at once all of it disappears. The town slowly calms down again and people try to forget. Nobody calls it a planar eclipse. Nobody has any idea what that means. They just know that it's over now and they don't have to think about it anymore, so they don't. By the time the girls manage to make it back into the old mill, the flower has wilted away, but they still have the nectar. And the more they drink it, the more they can see beyond the limits of their own reality. They see that whatever happened to the town left scars cracks like the ones that the vines of the Turbodendron were growing in, places where somebody might be able to slip through to the other side if they tried hard enough. And Triss and Charlie definitely wanted to try. The scene begins to get choppy, skipping around in time. You see glimpses of the girls visiting places you recognize, the waking pits in the golden jungle. You see Triss always scribbling in a notebook and collecting samples. You see Charlie spending more and more time with a group of robed Thenis Spartans, learning about the history of the multiverse and the delicate balance that must be constantly tended to. You see Charlie becoming more mindful of the impact on the places that they visit, while Triss just wants to go further, climb higher, learn more. You see Charlie receiving some robes of her own, followed by some sort of ceremony or ritual. She kneels in a stone temple as an arborist raises a curved blade, but she doesn't look afraid. You see the end of the summer, Triss climbing into the back of that same white pickup truck and Charlie watching from the end of her driveway as it rolls away, not knowing what else to do. The scene gets frantic, scattered, and begins to fall apart. You see Charlie, now Charlotte, as she heads out into the world, leaving Hillview behind. She won't return here for many years, and when she does, she'll have a family of her own. Her interdimensional exploration days will be long behind her, though some of the scars they left on her have been passed down through the generations. You see Tristan making a name for herself, but never forgetting the strange place she spent her summer and the secrets that it held. You see her experimenting with those samples she took and discovering an element that doesn't exist within our reality. She calls it Ezrium after the place she harvested it from, and she will use it to change the world. But she'll need more. Lots more. And finally, you see her return to Hillview much later with an entire crew, heading across the interplanar divide to harvest as much Ezrium as possible, regardless of the cost. Each of them is outfitted with a set of power to armor, and one set looks especially familiar to all of you, because you all instantly recognize it as Chester's armor.